welcome to Introfish Podcast number seven, where we discuss the most compelling, controversial seafood news that's appeared on Introfish.com. This is our eco-label edition. We're going to be discussing the Marine Stewardship Council and some recent controversy regarding their co-founder, WWF. Uh, I'm Drew Cherry, Editorial Director of Introfish Media, and I'm here with Executive Editor John Fiorello. Hello, John. All right, uh, let's dive right in. I'm going to turn it over to John. John, you had a column this week uh, about this issue, and I want to understand, just give us a little bit of background, and then I want to understand, why are you so angry? <laughs> okay, well, I'm not angry, but uh, the background is this. Uh, WWF uh, has, has uh, authored a report that's critical of the MSC certification of uh, Indian Ocean tuna fishery. The report um, made it to the public eye through the Times newspaper, and apparently it wasn't supposed to. So um, obviously uh, neither the MSC nor WWF liked that. Um, but in the report, the WWF levels an incredible criticism against the MSC on so many levels, basically calling into question the value of the certification in right. some respects. So that's, in essence, what the background is. And then we were able to obtain the report and published it online. And my column was about the reaction from the MSC and WWF and their, their, their desire to control to, you know, almost an insane degree any criticism against the program. I didn't really appreciate that, those approaches. They sent us emails and, you know, tried to give their side of the story, I guess, but it, it felt very uh, cold to me. Yeah, I mean, a group that's, uh, two groups that are kind of founded on transparency, it, it is problematic when, uh, when some of these issues aren't brought to the fore. Now, there is an objections process, and WWF has participated in that in, in the past. Um, and sometimes they're pretty harsh. You know, if I remember, they were pretty tough on the Russian Pollock fishery, correct? And you, you do need that kind of watchdog. Um, and there honestly aren't as many objections as one would think to the process of certifying these, these fisheries. Um, and I think that, that that's something that has always struck me as a little bit strange, too. We, we don't hear much about fisheries that start the process and don't make it, which well, I can understand. I well, can understand. No, no I, I don't understand that. And, and you brought up a good point, watchdog. Okay, I mean, a government agency has watchdogs over it. Um, obviously, something like the MSC or any of the certification groups, they don't really have watchdogs over so in the MSC's case, this objection process has to be the watchdog. And like you said, it's, it's fairly underused. So what you end up with, and this is some of what WWF said, what you end up with, fisheries don't get rejected. What they do is they get all these conditions put on them that the MSC will tell you is the path for them to improve. So if you do this, you know, we're going to certify you, but we have a few conditions to, you know, make, and, and then they audit that every year. Okay, that, that, that's not bad. I understand that. But it's gotten to the point where, I mean, every fishery that applies 
basically get certified. Well, we've talked about this before, I, I think on maybe the first podcast or maybe just around the office, I can't remember. But the idea that when you, when you apply for certification, you immediately get the benefits of kind of a green halo, right? Mm-hmm. So whether or not that's a five-year timeline, because again, I know the, the Alaskans were very critical of Russian Pollock's ability to take advantage of that. Right. That was a long certification process. But during that period, uh, retailers and food service companies that they're using products that are within the pipeline, I think can sort of get away with using that language. Now we see major retail and food service companies adding that to all of their sustainability policies, third-party certified or moving towards certification. So the question then becomes, when does an attempt to get certified end? We know when it begins because you can file for your, your process to start, but when, when does it end? When, do you, when are you not no longer in the certification pipeline? Yeah, and I think WWF uh, asked that a little bit. But, you know, for the retailers, all that is is, is a, the, the insurance policy being broadened for them. As long as they can say, oh, you know, we're heading towards sustainability or we have sustainably certified, that's all they really want. Okay. But to me, this, this ongoing thing, and now MSC is trying to do it with fishery improvement projects, there's no end to this process. So everything gets that halo, like you were saying. Well, then everything is, to me, everything's certified, you know, because they're not, they're not kicking anything out. They're not really, I don't, I don't know, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't jive with me. Yeah. I mean, the MSC, you know, we, we have to remember, and, and I think eco-labels don't like talking about this, but they are businesses. These are businesses, and you want your customers to stay in, in business, and you want them to keep coming back. Certification groups are businesses, and I think that's where all the money is made in eco-labels anyway. Um, but they also do not want clients to just walk away. They want them to stay a part of the program. Now, you could argue it's for the benefit of the fisheries, and I, I, I do think that that's the overriding mission of a lot of these groups. But you have to keep that pipeline full of fisheries. So it's really difficult when a fishery isn't meeting those standards to kind of to walk away, and I, I can see that. But as you as you say, then where does uh, certification begin and end? And it raises another issue, which we've talked about before. Uh, um, and there's a lot of contra- controversy about this, which is when you look at the certifications that are meeting FAA guidelines, like the RFM, for example. So their argument has been, hey, we're meeting these FAO guidelines for eco-labels. Why is that uh, not enough? And the MSC saying, hey, we have this thorough process, this multi-layered process to, to get a standard. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, what, what are we to think now about, a, say, a friend of the sea or an RFM? And should, should um, people take those more seriously than they have been? Well, I mean, if GSSI is successful in their uh, benchmarking, then under that process, they'll all be equal. It doesn't matter. So if you're, again, a retailer looking for an insurance policy, you could probably downshift from the Corvette MSC and go with an RFM, uh, you know, Kia, and 
be basically equal. So, all right, let's pivot to that a little bit. Then are we seeing kind of a, extending your metaphor, are we seeing kind of this downshift of the quality of eco-labels? And I'm talking wildfish because I, I actually think aquaculture is so much simpler in a way to certify. You know, it's so much more controlled. Um, but I wonder, are we seeing a potential backsliding as, as we try to go out and, and certify every single fishery out there? Are we going to see a backsliding where certification isn't as rigorous as maybe it once was, or maybe it's gotten too rigorous with the MSE or too convoluted to the point that if retailers want third-party certification, it wouldn't necessarily be in a fisheries uh, best interest, or wouldn't they, they wouldn't feel any incentive to go for, say, an MSC, when they could just go for an FAO. Well, it could possibly RFA. go that way, I think, because if now you can say we have this certification and it is benchmarked against, you know, the highest uh, analysis out there, GSSI, then why, you know, why is it that good? I don't know. But, you know, the MSC was first on the ground and they spent, you know, Trillions, not trillions, but lots of money becoming number one. And like you said, it's a brand now, it's a business now. And, you know, they're not now in the business of denying fisheries. You know, more than ever, they're in the business of approving fisheries for their certification. But with condition after condition after condition, the time frame extended and extended, uh, are they in in the MSC world? They're moving towards you know, perfect certification. In other people's eyes, it's just an excuse to keep them in the program when they're not really quite there. So they have the pre-assessment process. Why not hold more people in the pre-assessment process till they get the conditions uh, for full assessment reduced to a marginal level? Right. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that you could call it wrong-headed or not. And I mean, over the years you and I have debated this many times and you've probably both taken the opposite sides on different occasions. Um, but this is why the Alaskans made the decision that they did with salmon. Now, it's impossible to argue that that was a good thing for anybody. Nobody came out looking good from that. Um, but, it, you know, I think initially RFM was sort of met with skepticism as kind of a you know, an industry-funded thing, and it was, it was ASME-funded, but it does, an FAO, or Friend of the Sea, you know, you and I have been to enough of those sustainability events and know kind of how Friend of the Sea is is thought of, right? I mean, when you look at how it's thought of in, in comparison to the MSC, I don't know that there maybe has been enough credence given to some of these programs. You could argue that they are you know, that they don't deserve that or whatever. And a lot of people, a lot of people do. But I am curious now if the Alaskans' decision on salmon might be something that other people might follow if the door is cracked open to the idea of, of a, a lighter certification or one that doesn't require the same rigor as the MSC standard. I, I well, for, first of all, friend of the sea is treated like shit in, in the green community. And we all know that. And you can argue whether it's uh, you know, a robust certification or not. There's plenty of discussion around that. But with GSSI, if they are really going to evaluate everybody evenly and everybody 
comes out and their benchmark, they're basically equal. That, that is the way it's set up. I mean, so they don't rate them. They don't say MSC is number one, you know, JoJo's number two, etc., etc. They don't do that. That is right. not the way it's set up. You can dive deeper into each of those and see, you know, what more they add than the basics, but they don't rank. And to me, if you don't rank anything and you have five names, all five equal. Okay, so, I mean, are, are you saying, do you foresee, maybe it's maybe it depends on the market, but do you foresee then that uh, retailers might increasingly decide that they don't need MSC? Because I think... Where, you know, I was just in London, and when you when you look at say packs of Igloo or Youngs, a lot of these uh, companies are Findus. You know, some of them have had over time the MSC logo on their packs, and I've noticed that you know that's fallen away a bit more. That people are kind of have their own program. Youngs has its Fish for Life. Uh, you'll see in the states. Gorton's, I don't believe, carries it on any of their packages, but has kind of its own statement about sustainability policies. And it seems like it may be wiser in a buyer's mind if they're looking at all these developments. And they, it may be wiser for them to say, you know what, I don't want to maybe hitch my wagon to one particular standard. And that's interesting because the MSC has built up such a brand and such strength, and, and they have done an incredible job getting the name of MSC out there and I think getting fisheries recruited and retailers recruited. I, I don't think you can deny the, what the MSC has accomplished. But ironically, as you go through, when you have a, a mission, I mean, let's say the MSC's ultimate mission is for every fishery to be sustainable, right? So your ultimate mission, I mean, I'm being facetious here, but your ultimate mission is to put yourself out of business, right? So that everything's so sustainable that don't have to worry about it. So I, again, I'm being facetious there, but I mean, it's it's if your ultimate mission is to get so many companies involved in sustainability and thinking about sustainability, uh, they've played a huge, huge part in that. But now, now that all the retailers have said, yeah, we need to have a sustainability system in place. Now it seems I don't know. Are they now starting to think? Hmm. Do I, does it need to be MSC anymore? Okay. Well, to me, that's a really interesting area to look into because there's no denying the MSC pioneers. There's no denying that they are the most robust uh, certification out there. It's the fact. What they have never done, and they'll claim they have, is create a consumer uh, logo that consumers look for, as I would look for good housekeeping or some other uh, seal of approval. They may want to claim it, but I can tell you pretty surely, if I showed that logo to 10 people in Seattle, if one of them knew it, I'd be amazed. Now they'll say, well, in Germany, well, okay, so select markets, you know, small markets, but um, overall, no, they didn't do that job. And they keep saying that they're doing that job, but they're not. Well, it's. I think it's. It's maybe too big of a risk, and I think. That, I think it may be too I mean, late. Maybe, maybe, but I think maybe. But I think that that for companies, they have to be thinking at least considering. And I think some people have really gone all in on MSC. 
some companies, branded companies, and, and a lot of retailers have as well in their decision trees have just sort of fast-tracked MSC products. But I think that there is a risk of exporting sustainability from a brand, right? I mean, on the one hand, you know, I can look at my computer here and it's got Intel inside. If it didn't have that sticker, would the machine be any less valuable? I don't know um, from a consumer perception. But there's a risk that you, when you have an eco-label, an eco-label standard, that um, if, it's, if it's too consumer-facing, that suddenly you have exported sustainability outside of your brand. So you've got two packs sitting there on a retail shelf. One's got a, got the blue tick, the other one doesn't, and it's under the same, you know, it's under the bird's eye brand. I mean, how do you square that as a consumer, or do you even care? I guess just the larger question, shouldn't sustainability be built in to these brands? I mean, these brands are some of the oldest. I mean, look at Young's, it's been around forever. Sustainability should be built into that brand. Just like when I walk into Sainsbury's or I walk into M&S or walk into Safeway or whatever, I should have an understanding, and I think retailers and big companies know more and more that their consumers should have the expectation that they're getting quality. Yeah, I, I don't disagree stuff. with that at all. I think when you go to the store, when I go buy produce, for example, I just assume it's safe and it's you know it's harvested correctly and stuff like that. Maybe sometimes it is, but you know I don't, I don't need a tick on it to tell me that necessarily. I I just don't I don't see I don't know I I just have a feeling that um, particularly with GSSI evolving that you know some of the um, value uh, proposition of the MSC is is being drained. And, you know, I want to get back to this report real quick, just for a second, because, you know, they claimed it was leaked. They claimed it was a draft. You know, we saw all these excuses. I, I almost wonder if WWF leaked it themselves, because they, they're a growing frustration with the way the MSC is operating, and um, they detail those frustrations in that report. I don't know that. I'm and I'm just, this is just my opinion, I'm just wondering it, because I don't know how a report of 58 pages built over five years of research done by the highest staff level in WWF, how that just drops out, you know, willy-nilly into the Times uh, newspaper. I, I, I don't know how that happened. I mean, do, do you think, here's a question, do you think that, uh, that there's other reports like this, well, I said that circulating in, in the WWF. I said that in the column. I said about all these other. Yeah, would other we pieces. have ever seen this freaking report if if it, if it didn't come through the press, or, or the, like you say, are all these dead bodies in the closet somewhere, and nobody, we don't get to read them. I don't know. I mean, that's what I'm wondering about right now, and I think WWF owes everybody an answer to that. Right, and I mean, in the past, WWF has been. Uh, this is not the first time, and you reference it in the call, <laughs> this is not the first time that WWF and, and MSC have come to disagreements on how certification, how the MSC certification should be discussed, how it should be, what it represents. Uh, there was uh, a few years back, I'd say a few years, and I, I, it's probably been a decade, but it's all 
coming and all is blending together now. Yeah. So we had uh, we had that video uh, that came out that, that sparked a lot of anger among MSC stakeholders and sparked some changes in how in the MSC oversight as well. You're gonna say the remember. name of the video for everybody. No, I'm not talking about the video you're thinking. About. Oh, okay. No, okay. I'm talking about the video, the cartoon that showed the. Oh yes, the trolls yes. pulling up the whole yes. earth, um, which was funny. Um, it, was well, <laughs> it was well done, but it's a really bad idea. You know, with, with the right with the right message and with them coordinating their message, it could have been an effective campaign. Instead, it was kind of a left hand not knowing what the right hand was doing. But no, you were referring to. Stinky fish. Yes. Stinky gate, I think is what we called it <laughs> at one point. But that kind of maybe was the first sort of major point where an NGO and the MSC sort of differed and the MSC was left with this left in this middle area where they didn't quite know what their role was. And if their role was to defend the fishery or if their role was to be aligned with NGOs. Greenpeace, to its credit, has been kind of open over the years about uh, criticizing the MSC. Um, and I'll say, at, at the risk of, of, uh, of displaying some bias, um, I will say that I've been most impressed over the years when it comes to NGOs with WWF. I think they've come to the table the most often, and I think you can see it in aquaculture or fisheries. I think they've, they've reached out to businesses more often. So you might be onto something that maybe there is a frustration that they're maybe not being heard. Yeah. And you and I both know when things get leaked in the press, there's always things don't get leaked in the press without right. somebody having an agenda. And that's part of our job is to figure out that agenda and decide whether, whether or not the intentions are are uh, you know good, bad, or or whatever. Um, but you know there may be some some frustrations about having different ideas about what eco eco labels represent and, and how uh, how the MSC is is operating as a as a business entity. Yeah, and you know maybe they they are looking more business like every day, and that that uh, is giving WWF some pause. I don't know. I mean WWF is a much larger entity, obviously, than the MSC will, will ever be, but, um, I mean, you can only judge, if you judge by this report, there's some friction there, and maybe this is common, maybe this is unique, I don't know, but, you know, one, one thing I, I just, you referenced it earlier, one thing I just get so tired of is they, they preach transparency, preach, they've shoved it down this industry's throat for you know 15 years or more and the minute something you know foul comes out about their operations or questions about what they're doing this uh, wagon circling and to shut down the message and it's it i find it honestly i find it freaking disgusting after a while it's just it just bothers me but you then then you're saying that you don't think this is necessarily an isolated incident. Are you seeing, do, do you see a pattern of this kind of shutting down of criticism on the part of the MSC? As a, I, I watch the MSC and I, I honestly believe, it is my opinion, that as this uh, NGO has matured, it has become paranoid to a, an amazing extent and just unable to accept criticism 
uh, or any challenge of its mission and who it is. They have so much boilerplate prattle that they just throw out every time there's a question. And, you know, you, you don't really get direct answers. So, yes, I do. I do believe, I know from the earlier days, there was a lot more give and take and open dialogue and willing to listen. And, you know, maybe that's just the evolution of a, an agency or an NGO or a company. As they get bigger, they have to guard their flanks left and right and control everything. But to me, don't come preaching to me about transparency if you're going to, you know, just put up uh, blinders all around when somebody comes at you with a legitimate question. I think we should end it there. There's probably a lot more that we could talk about. We could uh, probably go on for quite a while, and I think we, we may need to have, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely be hitting on it in columns in the future, and there'll be more stories about this, and by the time we get back to our desks, there may be emails with, with more input on John's column. But there's a lot more to say about it. I, I don't think it's it's done, and uh, and I agree. I think over time we're we're seeing an evolution here, and it's hard to know quite where it's going. But it'll be interesting. I agree. <laughs> well, that's it for this edition of the Intrafish podcast. Remember that you can find us at intrafish.com, and also on social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, etc. But the best way to keep up with us is to go onto our website and register for our multiple newsletters. Uh, and again, that's on intrafish.com as well. Thanks, Kim Tran, for production help. Thanks, folks. We'll see you next time.